Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. And let's not waste any time. Today's a very important conversation, so we want to jump right in. Uh, Joe and I are very pleased and honored to be joined by Dr. Thomas Williams, uh, he's written a new book out from Sophia Press, The Coming Christian Persecution. Joe, I think that's a weighty topic, don't you? I would say, I would say. I, I would say so. Uh, and many of you out there are familiar with the work of Dr. Williams. Having said that, uh, brief bio in 2018, visiting research fellow, uh, a 2018 visiting research fellow for the Center for Ethics and Culture at Notre Dame University. Uh, Thomas Williams has written widely on theology, philosophy, ethics, and spirituality, and his 15 books include Who is My Neighbor, Personalism, and the Foundations of Human Rights, and The World as It Could Be, Catholic Social Thought for a New Generation. Williams teaches theology at St. John's University in Rome, uh, their Rome campus, and has also done extensive media work serving as a consultant and commentator on faith, ethics, and religion for NBC, CBS, and Sky News in the UK. He was appointed by the Holy See as spokesman for the Synod of Bishops in 1997 and again in 2001. Dr. Thomas D. Williams, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, our brother. Thank you so much for having me on. I apologize for that weighty bio. Uh, a lot of that just sounds like fluff to me, but anyway, let's get to the meat. I, I don't know. I, I didn't see too much fluff in there, but anyway, we'll dive into the ribeye. Um, but yeah, I wasn't kidding. I mean, obviously, you know, people talk about uh, Christians being persecuted. Um, I, I don't think people really understand what's going on. That's why we're so happy to have you on the show to understand that we Christians here, let's say, um, you know, you're, you're, you're in Italy. We're uh, right now, you're in Rome, we're in America. We're not feeling it. We might be, we might be seeing it. We're going to get into it as far as the culture war and everything else, how we're being attacked. But we're talking about outright persecution. Um, and that's why we're, we're glad you're here to enlighten our audience. I'll hand it over to Joe and, and we'll get started. Doc, we always start with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us, amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, Doc, I mean... We all have friends. We all kind of socialize, talk. And, you know, if you say, like, Christians are being persecuted, people are like, what are you talking about? Is this just, you know, conspiracy theory? Are we exaggerating? Um, I don't think we are. What do you think? Well, you know, it sounds trite to say so, but this is really the great untold story of our time. In fact, one of the great motivations for me to write this book was realizing how ignorant 
we are about the magnitude of this problem throughout the world. It's just not talked about. We don't have the facts and figures. We don't get the stories. It's not covered on the evening news. It's not something that that we're seeing. And But it's real and it's happening. And what I really wanted was to kind of grab people by the lapels and give them a good shake and say, look, this is this is the reality that, that the world is going through right now, that Christians are going through around the world. And we got to stand by our brothers and sisters. We got to, because you know what? It'll come for us too. Uh, this is something, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just a reality. Well, no, I, I wish I wish people would understand that. And and and, and juxtapose that with, 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 the, with the real fictitious narratives that you hear out there, that if you oppose certain ideologies, people will die. And like all this, all the ways they try to guilt and shame us and into changing our views, particularly on sexual morality, on gender identity and all that. And say, nobody's persecuting you. And we're, look, we're not crybabies. We're Roman Catholics. We get the history of the Catholic Church, okay? We understand there's always been to one degree or another persecution. But but yeah, this is like you said, Thomas Williams joining us on the front line with Joe and Joe. This is real persecution, not this made up stuff that you hear from people like the Young Turks and others out there on social media that, like I said, if you simply say certain words, you're being oppressive. You're, you're, you're engaging in violence. What are your thoughts on that? The goal to try to compare using words and free speech to discuss ideas to what is outright persecution. And what we mean by that is, you know, killings, beatings, harassment by governments. And I mean, talk about that a little bit, if you would, Tom. No, Joe, you're absolutely right. And there, there is such a, a magnitude of difference. There's the Grand Canyon between these microaggressions and people, things that get under people's skin and these these trigger words and these things that people feel like they're so oppressed by and the reality of those who fear for their skin every day of the week, 52 days, 52 weeks out of the year. This is something that for 360 million Christians around the world is a daily reality. 360 million, that figure is very important, live in a situation of serious to severe persecution, meaning that every day they have to be afraid of being attacked. Uh, that, that's greater than the population of the United States of America. That's the number of Christians around the world. Another really important statistic is, of all the people around the world, of all the, the globe, of anyone who faces any persecution because of their faith, three out of four of those are Christians. 70, a full 75% of all the people who suffer abuse because of their faith they're, three quarters are Christian. Uh, that's just that's enough to give us pause. Where's well, the that's, uh, that's obviously an inconvenient fact that a lot of people are not going to want to hear. Um, and again, well, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Dr. Thomas Williams joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Please go out and buy his book. We, we always say on the show, Dr. Williams, we have to be educated. We have to arm ourselves with knowledge first. So that's why we love interviewing authors like yourself. Your book is needed and, and, and folks out there ought to read it. And by the way, everybody out there, please buy it from the publisher. Buy it from Sophia Press. Let's support our Catholic publishers. The book, again, The Coming Christian Persecution, the author, Dr. Thomas Williams. Joe Resinello. Just like, where's the UN to, to what you just said? I mean, that's a staggering statistic. That should be talked about constantly, always. I could remember hearing an interview with the bishop in Nigeria, and this is exactly, I'm quoting him to the letter. He said, they're killing Catholics like chickens. That is what he said in Nigeria. That's just one country. Where is the UN? What you know? Everyone's talking about human rights. I mean, they talk about it so casually. This is serious. Where are they? 
Well, this is part, a big part of the problem is the massive cover up. And I hate to use that term, but I think it's really accurate in this case that you've got on the part of mainstream media in the West who are simply not doing their job as journalists to bring these details and these facts and these stories uh, before the public eye. It's something that they're choosing to ignore. I'll, I'll give you just one, one example of this because I think it's really egregious. And I remember so well when it happened. So in 2019, in March, there was that horrific attack down in Christchurch, New Zealand where a man went into two different mosques and started shooting. He ended up killing, I think it was 51 Muslims. The guy was touched in the head. He was not well. And this rightly got major play. It was on first story on every evening news show. It was on the front page of every major newspaper. So what you didn't hear about, this is great. It should have been reported. It's a big story. What you didn't hear about was that very same week in Nigeria, 220 Christians were slaughtered, macheted, shot, and, and burned to death. And it did not make, not page one, not page two, anywhere in any of those major papers. It was not covered by the Chicago Tribune, the New York Times, the Washington Post. None of these even touched the story. And so you get this unbalanced feeling like, oh, yeah, there's attack against Muslims and it's front page. There are attacks daily against Christians. And where is the media? You know, where is the outcry against this huge worldwide problem? Dr. Thomas Williams, let me ask you a question, because it, I mean, what you just said begs the question. Why are we not holding the media's feet to the fire? Why, why are we not holding? I know people are, don't get me wrong, but I mean on a massive scale. When, when, when it comes to the U.N. telling, like, let's say the United States government telling the U.N., we're, I don't know, something dramatic. We're not paying any dues or threatened to back out. If you're not actually going to enforce human rights, OK, everywhere and in all places, then 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 you're useless. We're not going to give you any money. We're not going to. We're not going to. We're not going to give you any any privilege. We're going to kick you out of New York. How's that? I mean, I'm. I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, and, and the same with the media. Start shaming them because they're the ones that are always talking about hate, hate. Everything's hate, hate. To me, what you just said that's a that's a, an egregious example of hatred that you won't even report on two. By the way, people of color, okay, um, that that got slaughtered, okay. Let, let's not forget that. Um, that those people of color get killed, but because they are self-described Christians, oh, you guys aren't going to cover it. To me, that's an example of hatred. Oh, it is for sure. And it, and it's done knowingly and willingly. They don't want to make Christians look like victims. They want Christians to look like perpetrators. Because unfortunately, in the West right now, Christians, by many of the radical secularist agenda people, we are looked upon as people who are holding back progress with our Bronze Age morality and our, our antiquated thoughts on the family and on sexuality and on a lot of those issues on the dignity of human life. We're looked upon as part of the problem. So if they hold up these examples of Christians who are dying for their faith, you all of a sudden draw sympathy. You all of a sudden have people concerned about the Christian community, but they don't want that. Let me, let me give you another example of how bad this is. Go to Wikipedia, and there is actually an entire entry, an entire page called Christian Persecution Complex. And what it is, it's a story of how Christians like to imagine themselves as persecuted so they feel like better Christians, they feel closer to Jesus. Can you imagine what would happen, the outrage, if there was an entry, Jewish persecution complex or Muslim persecution complex, the way people would say, no, but this is real. Don't you dare make this into a complex. But the reality is that the persecution of Christians is way broader in scope than any of those.
Yeah, you know, it's so true. It's so true. That's that's why we're happy to have you here, Dr. Thomas Williams, especially like, you know, on the radio on Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Uh, you know, again, it'll be on the podcast also. So we emphasize everybody out there. Please, when you hear this interview on Veritas, share it with your friends, okay? Um, and share the app with your friends. And certainly if you're gonna be looking at this on social media when it gets there, please share it. People need to know about this. I also saw your interview with um with Eric Sammons. I mean, the I you know I shared that on, on Twitter. We got to get this out there again not for the purpose of belly aching um i mean that's not what we are about but 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 we have to we have to hold people's feet to the fire we have to just you know d destroy these double standards um that that are created yes predominantly by the left let's let's face it okay that the, the secular atheistic left they're the ones who, who are perpetrating this i see you wanted to say something doc well yeah i mean i'm, I'm not an overly political animal but i will say this that we were starting to see some pushback, some serious pushback by Mike Pompeo when he was Secretary of State a few years ago. He made religious liberty one of the platform, one of the key elements of his the State Department's uh, platform at that time and what they were really gunning for. Right now, unfortunately, we've seen a radical 180 degree turn on that, so much so that I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, that uh, right now the State Department has eliminated Nigeria. Nigeria, of all places, from the list of what they call CPCs or countries of particular concern where religious persecution is happening in an egregious fashion. Despite the fact that, according to Christian persecution watchdog groups, Nigeria is the country where it is most dangerous, where you're most likely to be killed, lose your life for the fact of being a Christian. Uh, and, and go figure that out. How could they eliminate that even from the list? It doesn't have to be number one, but just on that list of countries of particular concern, it's been, they've seen fit to to destroy that. Absolutely, and if, if people can't see that there's an agenda here, then then they really then they, they have their head buried in the sand. Joe Rasinello. I was just gonna say, <clears throat> I'm from New Jersey. You call that out, like that is so blatant. And here's the thing, and 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 I'm gonna say it. They hate us. We are hated. I work in corporate America. You can't say certain things, i.e., I believe in traditional marriage. That's a tenant of the faith. If you say that out loud, you could be fired. You, If you say that I don't believe in abortion in many circles, and you are in those circles too, I am sure, people look at you like you're insane. If, if you, you say Dylan Mulvaney is a boy, you you could get fired. I mean, and like, this is, that's, where that's we're at right real now. right now. And these are not like, you know, no one's putting a gun to my head. But I'm talking about in casual company, you get invited for a happy hour and you basically say like, yeah, I don't I don't believe in contraception. What? What? You, like, this is real. You know what I'm saying? I mean, now and, and to the point you can get fired. You know, you know, it, as, as bad as I, I don't know if I have to put this in the right way, as bad as the bloody persecution is around the world, and it is absolutely horrific. I'm honestly, in a way, more frightened by the accelerated uh, transformation happening in the West, which is a traditional bastion 
of Christian values and defense of Christians and defense of, of religious freedom, frankly, where we see this completely being eroded on a day-to-day -day basis. And if we lose that, if we lose the post-Christian West, which was the, I mean, this is where Christianity was actually made into a political, social, familial reality, where it was tried out as a cultural uh, matrix where that gave birth to all of us. I mean, if we lose that, and, and look what's happening in the United States right now, our first freedom, it was always called the first freedom, that of, of religious liberty. It's why the pilgrims came here in the first place, because they were being persecuted, because they wanted a place where they could worship God freely. And now that's under attack. Now, first of all, it's been leveled out so it's not a special right. It's no more special than an LGBT right, for example, or some other right that's up against it. And, and sometimes now it's looked upon not only as a right, they call it as an excuse to discriminate or an excuse to be bigoted because, as you say, we're against abortion. Or, or as you say, we, we do not celebrate gay marriage as something that we believe is in accord with God's plan for humanity. Absolutely. Dr. Thomas Williams joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Please go out and buy his book, The Coming, Coming Christian Persecution, that's available at Sophia Press. Uh, Dr. Williams, I'll give you an opportunity also again before the end of the show, but where other than Sophia Press, if need be, can folks go out? You know where I'm going with that. If need be, where could folks buy the book? Well, I appreciate underscoring buying from the publisher. That's great. Uh, obviously, Amazon.com's got it. Uh, really, anywhere books are sold, uh, you should be able to find it. Also, I've got a website, ThomasDWilliams.com, where you can find a link to it there. Okay, um, and appreciate that. And like we said, everybody, please go out and buy the book. Let me ask you this: let's 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 put um, a face on it, so to speak. Um, we did when it comes to the secular, the you know the the secularist, the atheist, the modernist. Um, but, but you know, give us some other examples, uh, Doctor Williams, of uh, attacks on Christians. You 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 point out six primary sources. Okay, and I think we already covered uh, for, for the most part the atheist. The Atheist West. If you want to expand on that, please do. We love attacking Sam Harris around here, so please <laughs> jump right in. Um, and uh, and and other sources, if you would. Sure, absolutely. I mean, those are you bring up a really really important point. Those are what are commonly described as the drivers of Christian persecution. What is it that's driving? What are the motivations? And they are not very many, as you, as you know. We have radical secularism in the West. We have atheistic communism. So in North Korea, in China, uh, to a certain extent in Cuba. Uh, the, these are this persecution driven by an avowedly atheist government, atheist communist party, which hates Christianity as an obstacle because there's a higher allegiance than that to the state. You have the case of a, a relatively new one, at least in my experience, but it's growing more and more aggressive in India, especially with the reigning uh, party right now, which is Hindu nationalism, where Christians are considered to be second-class citizens, and there have been a lot of violent attacks by Hindus, whom we often associate with being very peaceful people, uh, but it, it's been shown that they are getting more and more violence, and Christians are losing their lives there. We have the very, very well-known case of Islamic extremism or radical Islam, and we have this all over the world. There are still, a lot of people don't realize this, there are, are a number of nations in the world that are still considered Islamic republics. We never say the full name of the Islamic Republic of Pakistan or the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan, but those are their real names. And those who are not Muslims are under are under great danger for their lives, especially if they engage in anything close to evangelization or proselytization, or even talking about Jesus with their neighbors. And, and it's even worse if you happen to be someone who has converted from Islam, which is against the law. And in that case, you're subject to lose your life. 
Um, so these are some of the ones we're seeing, some of the more egregious ones around the world right now, where you've got the greatest numbers of Christians actually living under this kind of persecution. If you don't mind, uh, talk about academia a little bit. Hash that, hash that out a little bit for our audience, because if you if you gave Joe and I dic dic dictators powers for a year, I think our first act would be to abolish the Federal Department of Education. It's a, it's useless. It's just an arm of the Democrat Party. Um, they just use that to to to. One of the things they do is they they promote anti-Christianity um, in the schools. Like you said, we can't hold certain ideas in a, in an American university. Talk about academia a little bit, because to me, they're 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 one of the biggest culprits. Well, ideas have consequences, and who controls the ideas controls also the direction that society takes. It's not an accident that we're seeing what they're calling the rise of the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, these non-affiliated, you know, atheist or agnostic young people who are just, they're, they're really indoctrinated rather than taught at the universities. And it's a very anti-Christian uh, anti Christian lens that everything is seen through. It, it's very, very aggressive, so much so that you're ridiculed, you're scorned. Anyone who carries around faith in any sort of overt way is considered to be non-academic, non-smart, benighted, you know, all these terms, obscurantist, these terms that people use to say you're not with the times. In fact, not only not with the times, but you're an obstacle to the progress that has to happen. And this is something that's been growing for years. And I think that, you know, people like us, Christians who care about their faith, are finally coming around to understand how deep this problem is. And it has been now for a long time. And this has been churning out, you know, generations of people who, if they believe what they're fed, you know, end up really hating Christians and hating Christianity as something that that should not be allowed to exist any longer. And now they're even, you know, reinventing the founding of the nation. They're reinventing those basic values and principles that made freedom possible uh, and, and making you know, the U.S. look like a bad nation, looking like Christianity being a bad thing, Christian nationalism, white supremacists, all these, you know, dyes they use to 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 tar us with that brush. You know, it's really a horrific thing that's going on. You know, it, 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 it's so true. I'm going to hand it over to Joe. But one of the things that, that, that you know, that tr you triggered a thought in my head as you as you were speaking, Dr. Thomas Williams joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe is, you know, there's been an historic, historic tension between, let's say, Catholics and Jews. There's been an historic tension between Catholics and Muslims. Again, we're, we're very plain speaking here. We, we, we know a little bit about the history of the church. I never, even the most, the harshest critic, Catholic critic of, let's say, either of those groups, I never see hatred or hear hatred or vitriol coming out of their mouth. I'm sorry. The hatred comes from the other side. In other words, the hatred comes from, because if you listen to their language, like you said, if you simply say you're pro-life, Jane Fonda gets to go on The View and tell people that pro-lifers should die. That's not an exaggeration. How does she get away with that? If you said that or Joe said that or I said that about any other group, forget it. Yeah, I mean, forget about getting invited to the cocktail party. I mean, you're 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 gonna be you're gonna be completely shunned. Let me hand it over to Joe Resinello. Joe Resinello. Well, I I think at the root of it, and this comes to the words of Christ: "If they hate me, they'll hate you." Uh, the Catholic Church holds a mirror up to people. We asked the Church, as you know, the truth. We hold it as absolute truth for people to change. So, what is what do we question? Sexual behavior. This is a driver. That's under a lot of the hatred, I think. Um, and it's also a lack of formation 
doctor. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic graduate school. I grew up in a Catholic home. I learned everything I know by reading on my own. I didn't know how to pray the rosary. I went to Catholic graduate school. Did you believe that? I mean, like, like I'm just being honest. Like, like I grew up in a Catholic home. Um, people are informed. If you ask a Catholic, why are we against uh, contraception? They can't give you an answer. Love is love. Why isn't that a proper definition of what love is? They can't give you an answer. Um, that's, I think, part of the problem. And yet the culture is forming the other side. I mean, I see it even in my neighborhood with kids, you know, like the, my neighbor's graduating Rutgers University. He's 22 years old. Sometimes I'll talk to him, you know, outside. I mean, he's a, a first generation Polish Catholic lost, lost in space. Talk about that, because I'll be honest with you. I sometimes say, I mean, we're just handing these kids up on a silver platter and Catholic education because I got five kids. It's only for rich people to send your kid to Catholic school. Cost a fortune. I live in a box, Tom. I'll be honest with you. I mean, like to, to send my kids to a Catholic school, I live in a box. Um, and me and my wife are professionals. Not everyone is. My father was a barber. Like, yeah. And then we're just handing the kids over. What do you think? Well, yeah, you know, and and, and you it sounds like you have a good Catholic school. There are also those who send their kids to Catholic school at great personal expense, and their kids don't even get a Catholic formation there. No, we have really, uh, we have dropped the ball over and over on this question with, with CCD programs, with, with homilies at Sunday Mass, with so many things that just are not covered. They're not touched. I think we're afraid of the tough issues many times where sometimes the, the catechists themselves are inadequately formed. For example, if you're talking about a question, something like explaining why contraception is wrong, they can't give a cogent, uh, good, clear answer that can be understood by everybody. They're not in a position to do so many times. I, I think this is an, an area where we need a major overhaul. And, uh, you know, John Paul II did us a huge favor by producing that universal catechism of the Catholic Church in 1992, before which there was really nothing. It was a desert. But we still haven't taken advantage to really bring that to the fore. Honestly, with that one book, if people were just, you know, sat down and explained lesson after lesson from that catechism of the Catholic Church, they would know their faith, because that, that is a, a phenomenal teaching tool. Um, but the problem is, you know, I, I think the greatest danger in the West, our greatest temptation mm -hmm. is that of assimilation and accommodation. Because we know that it's not Christianity per se that's hated or Christians who are hated. It's a certain kind of Christian. It's a certain kind of Catholic. If you carry a little rosary in your pocket, but you're pro-abortion and you're pro-LGBT and you basically look like everybody else and you don't challenge anybody, you're not countercultural in anything, you don't abide by what your church teaches, they will love you. They will carry you on their shoulders. They will make you president. They will make you speaker of the house. They will. They did. <laughs> I, I, I know. I'm not. I'm it's not all right. I am not being facetious. But you got you got Dick Durbin or Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden. You said we can talk frankly here. I mean, these are Catholics that are loved. Why? Because they do not stand by the Orthodox teaching of their church, because they are willing to scorn that with the atheist masses and say, you know, you don't have to believe that. You don't have to do that. Of course, they're going to love you. 
Of course, they're going to love you. And Jesus said, you know, just to continue on the quote that Joe was saying before, if 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 you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. You know, and and I fear for I fear not when I you know get ridiculed or when I feel harassed and persecuted. I worry when I feel too loved by the world because that's not a good sign for a Christian. I when would agree with that hundred percent. I agree with sign. that. Yeah, I mean, Joe likes to say all the time, you know, about the uh, the cocktail party analogy. You know, everybody wants to be invited to the cocktail party. No, I don't want to be invited to the cocktail party. If you're inviting me, that means I'm doing something wrong, man. I'm doing something really wrong. Maybe, maybe back in the day, you know, in a different life, before I started taking the faith seriously about 15, 18 years ago, that was a different story. I wanted to go to the cocktail party. No more. There's no need for it. When you, when, when you, when you, when you want to... If, if you're staying close to Christ, you have no desire for, for certain things that maybe you used to do in your life, like go to the cocktail party, like be a party or listen to and Bible, the nonsense from the culture. You just say, eh, I'm, I'm, I'm done with all that. I want to stay close to Christ. I want to stay close to the church. I want to stay close to the sacraments. If for no other reason, Dr. Thomas Williams, because Joe and I say on the show all the time, if you're close to the sacraments, your eyes are wide open. And you see all the nonsense that we're talking about in this interview with you and the persecution, which is not nonsense, okay? Obviously, it's very real. You see it. You're able to talk about it. You're able to break it down because, as Jesus said, for those who have eyes to see, then see, okay? Well, when you're close to the sacraments, guess what? Your eyes are open. Dr. Thomas Williams, we have to take a quick break at the front line with Joe and Joe. Remember, everybody out there, please go out and buy his book because uh, there's a lot more to, to this than, than our conversation here at the front line with Joe and Joe. So please go out and buy the book, The Coming Christian Persecution. That's available at Sophia Press. And if you have to, add it to your list on Amazon um, as you're making your list. It's The Coming Christian Persecution. So Dr. Thomas Williams is with us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Two things, spread um, or, or uh, share the app, the Veritas app with your friends. Download the app and share it. And please follow Joe and I. Social media, the Frontline TV and on Twitter. Uh, that's on YouTube and on Twitter at with Joe and Joe, at with Joe and Joe. Stick around. We have another important segment with Dr. Thomas Williams. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rasinello. We are way, way, way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network with Dr. Thomas Williams. Joe Rasinello, this conversation could go on for hours. Unfortunately, we have limited time, but hopefully we'll have Dr. Williams back to flesh this out a little bit more. But for today, we want everybody in the audience to go out and buy Dr. Williams' book, The Coming Christian Persecution. That is available at Sophia Press, and you could also buy it on Amazon. Joe Rasinello. I was I, I've heard that the 20th century was the bloodiest century, you know, ever. Actually, if you took all of of the horror of the other centuries, the 20th century was the bloodiest. Um, how do we stack up now to say what took place in other you know eras, particularly amongst Catholics? I, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the first almost 300 years of our church, every pope was killed. I think it's like 270 years, every single pope was killed. Um, obviously, in Rome, it was illegal to be a Christian until Constantine came around. Uh, how do we stack up now compared 
to then because the persecution at least in the quote-unquote western countries like australia canada u.s it's not they're not putting spears to our neck not yet they haven't put us in a concentration camp i'll probably be there one day um but it's a little different talk about it well obviously you look around the world and then the situation varies from country to country there's no doubt but again it's the accelerated pace the way things are changing right now that scares me the most cardinal francis george that wonderful luminary archbishop of chicago had that great line where he said i will die in my bed my successor will die in a prison cell and his successor is going to die a martyr he already had this feeling that that things are moving in a direction where the rhetoric will go from being rhetoric to harassment, from harassment to being violence and aggression. And this is something that I find very, very scary um, because it, it is happening right before our eyes. I mean, since when is the FBI weaponized against groups of, of pro-lifers that are peacefully demonstrating outside an abortion clinic and persecuted under RICO laws? Since when does the FBI target Latin mass goers as a particularly dangerous group and particularly susceptible to becoming white supremacists and Christian nationalists. What does this have to do with anything? And since when is the FBI using these religious categories to go out and, and harass citizens of our great nation? Uh, and th that's just one example. We can go on and on and on. What about this, th th this killing at the, at the Covenant School in Nashville a and the way that that has been treated by the media, right? The, the killer has been made to look like a victim simply because that killer identified as a man being a female uh, and, and the transgender, well, of course, because Christians are so mean to transgender people. Well, that's why you're seeing this backlash. There's this justification for the killing of six Christians, including three nine-year-old kids in this school. Right. And, and they were killed because they were Christian. You know, this is real and this is on our soil. No, no, that's what that's that. See, but this is the galling part about it. Okay, <laughs> let me say this first. You're exactly right, Dr. Thomas Williams. Okay, uh, that boy, all right, is the victim. We, Joe, Joe, and Joe, Joe, and you, we're the perpetrators in that crime. That's what they'll have you believe. Now, that's point number one. Point number two is I really like for you to address this. How do we, as Catholic men and Catholics in general and Christians in general, who agree with us, people of goodwill, okay, how do we fight back against this? On every talk show, every time a conservative Christian Catholic goes on Bill Maher's show, goes on M uh, MSNBC, goes on CNN, remind them, remind them about their persecution, remind them about their false narratives of trying to paint us as the ones who actually pulled the trigger in Nashville that there is no violence against the LGBT community, that words cannot equate to violent acts. You can't have that in the law, okay? There is no such thing as hate speech. How come we're not doing that? I know you are, because you just wrote a book on it, okay? Joe and I are doing our best. We're growing our audience, but we're a drop in a, in a very, very large pond, okay? Um, but we're, at least we're trying, okay? Where are the more prominent voices out there really, like, letting them have it? particularly in the media and particularly in academia and say, we're not going to let you get away with that. I'm sorry about the rant, Dr. Williams, but, but that's one of the things that angers me more than anything is that we're not, we're not fighting back the way we're supposed to. We let them set the narrative. 
Well, Joe, that's not a rant. You're just calling the way you see it, which is the way it is. And and it, you know, it was Jesus himself who said the truth will set you free. And I think that our problem is we often abdicate that truth. We are not willing to proclaim that inconvenient truth, that truth that 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 you know gets people all riled up. And because sometimes we don't want to get the you know the the pushback we're going to get. We don't want to you know reap the the you know what what we're sowing when we when we speak that truth and sometimes we're very uncomfortable doing it sometimes our leaders are uncomfortable doing it and you, so you take apart you know put aside all the mainstream media people who are truly from the left and who are part of those who actually hate christianity and see christianity as a problem for the nation let's just take a middle sector of those who are basically with the program but but a little bit uneasy about making a stand that's that's who we got to get we got to get people who basically understand basically agree but are afraid we need you know to bolster people's courage we got to people wake people up and have people really live in the truth i mean to take one example look during the pandemic what was the big line we heard over and over again ad nauseum and even misused with the site follow the science and follow the science where did that go when we talk about transgender boys who call themselves girls where'd the science go we go what science is telling you that that boy with XY chromosome is a girl. What right. what science is that? What what biological course is it that tells you that? You know, I mean, these are things that we play with. We use the words. We use these slogans in order to twist the truth. And the only way to fight that is bringing back the truth as it is, bringing it and holding it up and saying, look, caritas and veritate, charity and truth. We love you. And the only way we can love you is by telling you the things the way they are, not what you'd like to hear, not what you're getting from from all the other from all the other sources that you're listening to, but the truth as it is. Oh, it's, it's funny. I'm going to hand it over to Joe. What's what's uh, interesting is that they're now trying to silence, take it, leave it with the uh, the the uh, the gender ideology for a second. They're now trying to silence the voices of those kids who have been mutilated by the so-called doctors. Okay, they're now trying to silence them for what? For saying the truth. You, I was sixteen. You did this to me. You didn't even get offer me counseling. You said, huh, "Let's just go right in for the surgery." It's going to come back to bite them in the you-know-what, okay? Because, you know, what they perpetrated on these kids, well, some of these kids, most of these kids have regrets, okay, as they get older. We're seeing that now. Uh, many of them are pushing back. Unfortunately, some of them are taking their own lives, all right? They're going into severe depression, and they're taking their lives. That's what we have to speak out against. It's not us that's costing these people their lives. It's the lies that are being uh, their lives. It's the lies that are being told to them. Um, and that's what we really, at least as far as that issue is concerned, we really have to fight hard so that we can save some of these kids. But th that's what I wanted to point out is that a lot of them are pushing back because they have buyer's remorse and they know they've been lied to. Joe Resinello. Uh, you, you mentioned, Tom, like the direction that it's going and it's moving in an accelerated fa fashion. And, and this is the way I see it in terms of where it's going to go, because I'm seeing this in in like Europe, Australia and Canada. Um, I think eventually what's going to happen is if you basically adhere to your faith and particularly on the same sex marriage thing, you will be prosecuted as basically almost like a Nazi, like it's hate speech. You are basically adhering to something on the same level as like Nazis. And they will have no problem either taxing you, fining you, or imprisoning you. 
that's like, for instance, I'm waiting for this to happen. Somebody to go into a Catholic church and demand to be married and sue the church based upon the laws that have just been passed in America because they have not been airtight. And many people, including Mike Lee, Senator Lee, he spoke very clearly and bluntly about that and demand to be married. And when they're not permitted to sue the church, we're a few judges away from that. And when that happens, the church goes underground. And if you adhere to that belief system, you're going to jail or you're going to be fined. And we're close to that now. That's where I think it's going. Yeah, you know, they're trying they're trying to push the Catholic Church out of the marriage business. They're trying to push the Catholic Church out of the foster care business. They're trying to push the Catholic Church out of the adoption business. These are areas where there's been a legal battle going on, and they will not stop until they've succeeded in saying, no, because of your beliefs, because you are exclusive, because you are hateful, because you're homophobic, whatever the terms they're going to use, you cannot engage in these activities. By the way, activities which the Catholic Church invented. We invented hospitals, we invented schools, we invented foster care. We invented, This was the work of charitable organizations run by the Catholic Church that actually made these things happen. But the, I'll tell you, the secularist agenda, the very aggressive atheist secularist agenda is trying to push us out of all these. And if that's not persecution, what's persecution? If, if you can't, if you don't have a voice, if you don't have a place, if you can't have a place at the table in these in these important things, which is of our nature to do. You know, I I want to expand on that because I think, like, listen, we have eyes, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm the smartest guy in the room. There's a lot of people a lot smarter than me. Where are they? Like, like, seriously, like, you don't invite someone in your house that wants to hurt you. Like, I have five kids. If I know someone is going to hurt my kids, I'm not going to open the door to them. Yet it seems to me that we're just silent. Like, like as a church, like, there are people who see this as clear as day. We talk to everybody, from bishops to people, academics, to people who write all over the place. It's as clear as day what's going on, yet no one's saying anything. Like, I am flabbergasted by that because they're coming for you. Like, that's what I like. That goes from the cardinals, the bishops, the priests, the deacons. They're coming for you. They're going to take your property. They're not going to permit you to practice your faith. And you're just going to invite them in. You're going to talk to them. You're going to congratulate them when they become the president congratulate them no sorry i'm not doing it not doing it and i'm going to tell you why i'm not doing it because you're persecuting me how's that but nope not a word not a word it's nuts i'll Dr. be honest with your you. comments on that well i i just i i think it's atrocious and i and i do think there's a collective cowardice and i hate to use a very very strong word like that but we just we don't want the, the the lashback. We don't want to to receive what we're going to receive if we we don't want to be called fringe. We don't want to be called n- not with the times. We don't want to stand. You know, there we 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 sugarcoat. We sugarcoat everything. It's why you know the gospel has been sugarcoated. We don't even take the tough words of Jesus 
and we don't even repeat and talk about those. So how are we going to stand up when we see these, you know, very, very powerful pressure groups, very, very powerful lo lobbies pushing in these directions? The easiest way is just to sidestep it. And, and you know, it's 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 like it was in the Roman Empire. Oh, just burn a little incense to, to Caesar. You can believe whatever you want in your heart. You just got to go along with it just a little bit. And then you can live your life in peace and you can do all those good things that you do. And And that was the temptation then and it's in temptation now. It's much easier just to go along and get along instead of swimming against the current, instead of being willing to stand up and say, that is wrong, that is hurting people. It's hurting a lot of people. And it's going in a direction that is gonna destroy the nation. We cannot do that. It's much easier just to go along and get along. Nobody's gonna hassle us. We can live our lives. We can have our little cocktail parties, as you've been saying, we can do our thing and, and we don't suffer for it. Right. But the thing is, right. they're coming for the church. This is the part. I agree with everything you said, but just to, you know, I, I'm not going to name names, but say like, you're a bishop. You do realize they're coming for you. You do get it. Uh, you're a smart guy. You went to the Gregorian. You're real smart. They're coming after you. You get it? Like, like, so also you have to protect your people. Like, I'm a dad. I have a small little tribe. I got to protect my kids. That's why I live in a box and I don't send them to public school. But you have a bigger deal. You got to protect your people. And I'll be honest with you. It's disappointing. I'm not naming names. It's it's disappointing. Well, while we're on that topic, without naming names, because we're not bashers here, Dr. Williams. We, right. That's not I what agree. we're about here at the front line with Joe and Joe. But there is a lack of what Joe's talking about. There is a certain level of cowardice that we're seeing in the hierarchy of the church. Because in the past, yes, we could read history. We know our history, okay? But the hierarchy, and many times in the face of some really bad persecution, okay, has spoken out boldly against those who were perpetrating that persecution. Um, and yeah, we feel like we're a little bit abandoned. I don't think it's wrong or bashing to say that, to say to, to, say to our prelates, guys, you need to step up. We're, we're, we're getting, they're sifting us like wheat, okay? And we need you to help us, please. Um, and you need to be vocal. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll be the, I'll charge the hill. I know many people want to wait for others to charge the hill. I don't blame them. I'll charge the hill. This is a hill I'll die on. Okay, I will. But you know, and people need to see that. But you guys got to help us out too. Remember, we're we're the laity, but you're supposed to be leading us. You're the ones who have the what do you call it, Joe? The crozier. I call it the stick, but that's the, the fancy word. In Jersey, crozier. it's the stick. Okay, <laughs> you're the ones that have to beat away the wolves. Talk about that a little bit, Doctor Thomas Williams. Well, you remind me there's that there's that fantastic document that we have. I think it's the seventh century, Gregory the Great, where he talks about these these bad shepherds, and he, and he just goes on and on and on. He talks about they have no voice, they have no bark, they will not, they will not. Uh, bark when the wolf comes. They're just hiding away. But you know, this is unfortunately this this has happened in other generations as well. I mean, why do we honor Saint John Fisher? Because he's the only bishop that opposed Henry VIII, and all the rest caved. I mean, it's always the exceptional ones. And you know what? Instead of bashing, you know, we could do is hold up a couple of the examples of real, you know, men of courage. We you know somebody like Salvatore Cordiglione out in in San Francisco, that wonderful archbishop who has a voice, who's willing to take a stand, who makes a public uh, public statements on these things. Our wonderful former Archbishop of Philadelphia, Archbishop Charles Chaput, oh, who, who was always willing to take a public stand and was and gave clear teaching. Everyone knew where the church stood with him. That's what we need to point also to some of our heroes, those who are willing to do this. And they take a lot of abuse. They take a huge amount of abuse. And, and it's tough to do that. 
But they, those are the ones we celebrate. We got to love our our saints, past and present. No, no, I, I agree. Dr. Oh, Thomas agree. Williams is joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing his new book that is out from Sophia Press, The Coming Christian Persecution. Um, I, I will say this, Dr. Williams, and I'm going to hand it over to Joe, uh, just as a comment. One thing that we have to get away from, and Joe and I, quite frankly, are tired of it. When a bishop, you mentioned Coeur d'Alene, okay? Now, we don't know what goes on. We don't know about using Nancy Pelosi. We don't know about his communications with her, as he alluded to in his letter. He says, I've tried to communicate with her over the years. We have no idea what he's been trying to do as a pastor for her. But then finally, he came out and in the case of, in her case, said, in, in my diocese, archdiocese, you're not going to present yourself for Holy Communion, okay? We got to stop with certain Catholic voices. Then they start, they start bashing him and saying, why did he do that 10 years ago? Dude, listen, you're not a bishop. You're not a cardinal. You don't know what these guys go through. Sometimes, yes, they do things that cheese us off to here, okay? But at the end of the day, be grateful that 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 you have a, a Salvatore Cordelione, you have Bishop Strickland, you have Cardinal Burke, you have many in the hierarchy that are standing up. Stop with the too little, too late stuff, okay? Because you don't know what these guys are going through. You don't know the line sometimes that 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 they that they're trying to or what they're what they have to weigh in terms of considerations. And Joe and I, quite frankly, Dr. Williams, we get a little tired of that little of that infighting in the church too amongst people that would agree with us to say, well, when a bishop does something, well, yeah, yeah he should have done it 10 years ago. Please, please. I again, let's let's give these guys a little bit of a break. Thank God he did it. What, what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Williams? Well, absolutely. I mean, we've got enough bad bishops. We don't need to invent new ones. You know, the guys who are trying, really making an effort, and, and we should encourage them. Every, every step they take in the right direction is something wonderful for us. I mean, it's something that we should be applauding. Yeah, our... our would we love them all to be, you know, as tough as nails and able to do everything? We would, of course. But who of us does that in our own lives? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased when I see, you know, they just need our encouragement. They need our prayers. They need our applause when they take steps that, that are so clear in leading the in leading the flock. They need to know that they're appreciated because I don't think they do. I think they get a lot of grief, and I think when they do something like this. You know, they get a lot of hate from from the other side, but I don't think they got a lot of get a lot of love, you know, from our side and from those who, you know, those of us who believe that they're actually doing something really important and good. So should it have been done before? I don't know, but it's done now. So let's, you know, let's praise what's being done. Yeah, no, I, and 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 again, I I I think you know because like I said, you know, Joe and I we try to be very fair on the show and just call things out the way they are. I give just one quick ten second example. You know, I know Bishop Robert Barron's come under a lot of heat for things he said and stuff like that. But when he showed up in front of that statue of of uh, Saint Junipero Serra um, in California, I, I applauded that. Joe applauded that. Say that's right in the public square. Bishop Barron's out there praying with the with the with the layman. All right, and 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 here comes BLM marching down the street. And guess what? They lost that day. All right, and and, and we're going to give him credit for that. And and we need a little bit more of that encouragement. There's time for appropriate criticism, okay? Um, but there's also time to say thank you, Your Excellency. Thank you. Your Eminence, um, thank you for, for showing up and, and, and supporting us. Joe Resinello. Doc, in, in your book, you give some advice to Christians what they can do to prepare to, for what's coming. I could just speak for myself. Um, I pray the rosary. Um, I pray it with my family. I'm trying to instill in my children the faith. In basic, simple terms, I tell my son, if you believe in God, 
and you do what he says, you never die. Simple. You know, simple stuff. Form your children. What are things Christians can do to prepare for what is coming? It's not even a question. It's coming. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. And actually, in, in a real way, it's already here. It's going to get worse, but it is here. And and I think that, you know, this is really the most important question is what do we do? Because we can sit back and just watch it happen, or we can actually do something. And I think that you brought up one of the most important points just in what you said, forming and informing ourselves. And formation means knowing the truth, knowing what's going on, but forming also spiritually means being really united to God. And if if we are not praying, if we're not praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters, if we're not praying also as our Lord asked us to, for the strength to endure whatever comes, if we're not asking for grace every day to be true to our own mission, our own vocation on a day-to-day basis, especially when it becomes difficult, we will never have the strength to do that. We'll never have the courage. Um, I agree with you, 100%. You're 100% right. I don't think we're called to be passive. Uh, Our religion is not a religion of hiding. We're not not called to to build a little fortress and hide behind it and wait for the the enemy to pass. We're called to be out on the streets. We're called to make disciples of all the nations. We're called to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified and risen to the entire world. And we're going to do that, and we're going to face resistance. But it's not the time right now. God chose us to live in this moment. We're not living 200 years ago or 200 years in the future. We're living now, and this is our moment. This is our moment to do what we can do, and that's got to be proactive. It can't be just reactive. It can't be hiding away. It can't just be a little enclave where we have a few people that we're going we're gonna to take care of. Yes, we have to make sure that our, our families are protected and they're you know, safe from the, the media onslaught and the lies that are told. But at the same time, they need to be armed and prepared as soldiers of Christ. I mean, that is, that is who we are. And, and and that's what we're called to do. We have to fight for religious liberty. We have to march shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters and really push for this liberty, America's first liberty. You know, this is our, and, 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 and the most important is what John Paul II called the source and summit of, of, um, of the Christian rights, of, of human <clears throat> rights. He said it was the most important. Um, so anyway, I, I think that there's a huge amount we can do in a very proactive way and simply not resign ourselves to be passive bystanders as this onslaught comes. We have to get up there, as, as Joe was saying, you got to be ready to take the hill or die trying. Well, that's the thing. You know, it's like people want to die on political hills all the time. And okay, there. Joe and I, we love talking about politics here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We love talking about the culture war, particularly on. I mean, you could tell Dr. Williams just from talking to us for the last fifty minutes. Um, you know exactly what our social media show is all about. Okay, we. But but most of those are not hills to die on. It's important to fight the political battles. It's important to fight the culture war. But this is a hill to die on. Okay, the ability to raise our children how we see fit, according to our Catholic faith, is a hill to die on. All right, it really is. It certainly is one to fight on. Talk a little bit in the last couple of minutes we have left, Dr. Williams, about the example of the saints, because let's let's try to leave on a more hopeful note, because we all know, as Joe Racinello says on the show all the time, it's the saints. Christ moved history. Christ changed history. It's the saints to keep it moving along. What are your thoughts on that? Well, those are our heroes. Those are our heroes. It's not the Marvel fiction characters. It's those men and women that were brave enough to witness to Christ up to the point of shedding their blood. 
They are heaven's athletes. They are the ones we look to as role models, as intercessors, as the ones who show us that it is possible with the grace of God to do this. And some of them were little girls, and some of them were timorous old men. I, I love the example of St. Polycarp, who's brought forward. He wasn't looking for martyrdom, but he's brought forward. And the governor says, look, just save yourself. All you have to do is this little thing. He says, he says for four and 80 years, my Lord and Savior has been faithful to me. Am I going to betray him at this, the last hour of my life? You know, th this is something, this witness of people who just spoke the clear and honest truth and live faithful to Jesus up to the point of shedding their blood. This, this is what we need. This is what we need in today's day and age. We need to look to them and say, that's what we need, another generation like that. When I when I think of let's say the the scary people in history, I think of communists. Obviously, you think of like Stalin. You think of Nazis. And then when I think of the, just automatically, when I think of let's say what we're talking about, I think of um, Saint Maximilian Kolbe. I think of uh, Saint Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Uh, Saint you know Edith Stein. Right? They, they they got by worldly standards, they got trounced. Okay. Um, you know, they, 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 you know, they, 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 for lack of a better, they got wrecked. Okay. Killed. All right. Yet they're the greatest examples for us. If we, cause that's the natural, that that's the consequence of, of opening your mouth. Okay. At the end of the day. And we're, as Joe mentioned, and you mentioned, we're not quite there yet, but we're awfully close. And, and we need to make sure that we use or, or look to the saints, as you said, as, as our greatest examples. Okay. If they could stand up for the faith, if they could, like you said, if they could be faithful to Christ, then Christ is going to be faithful to you. At the end of the day, I mean, and that's what we need to keep in our mind. Uh, Dr. Thomas Williams, we, we're coming up on the last minute or so. Quickly, let our audience know what you have going on, where they can find you, social media, things like that. And again, the title of the book and where where they could buy it. Uh, thanks so much, Joe and Joe. Uh, Thomas D. Williams, The Coming Christian Persecution. Buy it from Sophia Institute Press. That's the publisher. Uh, if you must, from Amazon.com. Uh, you can find me, thomasdwilliams.com, on, uh, on on Internet and also on Twitter, at TDWilliamsRome. Okay. And, and and all of your articles that you write, um, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I catch a lot of your articles on Breitbart, right? Yeah, they same here. Breitbart. Yeah, I, I, am, I am Breitbart's Rome bureau chief. It's a bureau of one. It's a glorified title for a, a very simple job. But yeah, I, I, I cover the Vatican beat, the Italian beat, and I do a lot on this religious persecution question. Well, Dr. Thomas Williams, we wish you all the success with the book. We hope we could do, uh, Joe and I have done our little part in, to, in promoting it, The Coming Christian Persecution, again, available at Sophia Press. Dr. Thomas Williams, you are welcome at the front line with Joe and Joe anytime, our brother. Please come back soon. You guys are the best. Thank you. Thank you very much, and thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. couple things, you already know what I'm going to ask you. Download the app, share it with your friends. We're an EWTN affiliate, so you get all that content, you get all our original programming, and you're going to want to share it with your friends, not just the front line with Joe and Joe. And if you like what we do, you can find us at two primary places on social media, the Frontline TV on YouTube, the Frontline TV on YouTube and at with Joe and Joe at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. Like, subscribe, share, follow, do all that fun stuff. Thanks once again. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.